welcome to another episode of the Animals Podcast. This was our first ever live show, so it's not quite as polished as the podcast normally is, but I think you'll find it interesting. For the next podcast, as you'll hear us talk about, we'd like to do a live workshop with someone's content marketing plans. If you would like to participate in that, just shoot us an email, podcast at animals.co, and we can connect, see if it's a good fit, talk through some of the things that we would go through on a similar live podcast and make it happen. Hope you enjoy this episode. Stay safe and stay healthy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our first ever live episode of the Animals Podcast. I'm Jimmy, and I'm here with Devin. Hi, Devin. Hi. Hello. So we have a couple things that we were going to chat through today about how just the things that we're seeing on our side, right? Like we work with a number of customers in the B2B SaaS space. You know, we're our sales process is continuing on, and we're learning a lot about what different companies are doing, how they're reacting to COVID-19, particularly as it relates to content marketing. So we'll chat through some of those things, but we really want this to be interactive. So like as folks have questions, we can get to them at the end, or if you want to put them in there and interrupt us, do that too. Like, you know, we want this to be you know useful for, for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe let's just, let's just jump right into it. So we have a list of things we've been hearing and we have thoughts on how companies may react to those things. And so the first thing that has come up, and this has come up with a number of our customers, and I'm, I'm sure it's fairly widespread, is that B2B SaaS companies were planning on spending a lot of time and money and resources on events this year, whether those were sponsorships or hosting their own events, whether those were huge conferences or small meetups, all that stuff is out the window, at least for the next however, you know, however long. I wish we knew exactly how long. And so for some of those folks, you know, they've come to us and said, what you know, we're open to ideas. What do you got? <laughs> and we do have a couple ideas. And if you want, Devin, I, I can hand it over. If you want to chat through like some of our reactions to those things. Oh man, I don't know if you want to hear my reaction to this. So yeah, I think, you know, when I think about uh, folks and their event budgets, right? I start with like, well, why were they investing money in events, right? What were they hoping to get out of it? And you know, for me, it's uh, events are largely like a sales tool, right? Whether it's lead gen or brand awareness, right? Like folks are going there, you know, if you're like Samsung, you're going just a flex, right? But like most companies invest kind of a lot of money to participate in these events one way or another. Um, and they send a whole team of, you know, in some cases, a whole team of people, right? So while I understand that it's hard for most folks to quantify the ROI of events, my hunch is that it's mostly a sales tool. And so when you're thinking about, well, what do I do with that budget? How do I replace that kind of tool in the toolbox that was there to achieve that specific goal for me, right? That's how I would start to think about it is like, what action can I take that would produce similar results given that I can't take that right. action anymore? And do you, so one thing that we're seeing people do is kind of immediately pull back to virtual events. What are your thoughts on Virtual events. <laughs> oh man, I wish you could see my face right now. Okay, so I have been a speaker at a virtual event once. It was put on by a uh, managing editor. The group of women that did it were fantastic. They did a great job. It was a very valuable experience and I loved it. I've also I've also been a, an attendee at an event. And I think they're neat, right? Like I think online events are cool. My take on them is one, it's harder to simulate the engagement that you get at in-person events and the kind of serendipitous interactions that you get 
from events, like walking through the hall, sitting next to someone in a talk, going to the various parties, the various events, et cetera, with an online event, right? So it's an interesting thing to explore for now, but I question whether it's a good long-term, it's a useful long-term play, whether you get the same benefit out of it. Two, when people are allowed to travel again, you know, are they going to be excited about doing a virtual event? Are they going to be really freaking excited to leave their house and go interact with people? Like, I think even like introverts are going to be like, get me to the event. (laughs) Let me go interact. Right. So I think it's interesting to think of ways to virtually engage with folks through some type of event. But I think if you're like, oh my God, I should create this like massive online event. I'm like, I actually don't think you need to do that much. You know, webinars, for example, are a great lead gen tool. You can throw them together really quickly, get one or two people to participate with you. And if you get 20 leads out of it, you have, you've spent a fraction of the time, right? And you can do more of them. So to me, I think that's a little bit, a little bit more flexible and easier to act on quickly, which I think is what people really need right now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. What do you think? I think it probably depends like on in a business to business case, like you can make different decisions. Like for example, I spoke to someone yesterday who was planning on running a series of workshops this spring that were one day events. So you, you know, you get training on their tools. You also like meet people and have lunch and maybe there's drinks after or whatever. It was like, sounded like fun day. And she was saying like, I I can't just do six straight hours of Zoom workshops. Like that sounds miserable. You know, I don't know what the exact answer to that is. Like if it's a workshop that you still needs to be run because people still need to get trained on whatever thing, like, you know, you have to sort of figure out a better way to deliver that content. I think that there's so many interesting ways to bring those things online without just sending out a Zoom link and asking people to sit in front of their computer for an extended period of time. Yeah. Like make them interactive, right? Totally. Like I was talking to Katie Parrott today, who's another one of our content managers, and she was talking about these like uh, coaches and people doing like one-on-one coaching sessions. And I was thinking it'd be really cool to do something where you have a, like you have a speaker, right? Who provides expertise on a topic relevant to the folks who follow you. And then you have like maybe like a series of like three coaches from your team, maybe your sales people, your marketing, I don't know, whoever, depending on the topic, you find people on your team, SMEs on your team who can be coaches. And you set up like three simultaneous Calendly's, right? So like participants can schedule like half hour, one hour, like one-on-one consultations to get like really like specific help for their specific problem from people on your team. So it's like direct access to the expertise on your team, right? So it's kind of like the group thing. And then afterwards, the kind of more custom, customized kind of experience could be really cool or could be interesting to try. And again, that's really easy. You need one speaker. You need to market that event. If you get 50 people, like you're doing okay. Yeah, totally, totally. And you're learning a ton about your customer, right? But I think the gist of it is like, it isn't, about, I think what this time is calling for is not to just blind, like you can't blindly do anything. You can't just be like, okay, well, this event is going to translate to that event. It's like, what was that event achieving? And how do I get those? How do I 
try to achieve those same results, but likely doing something different. Yeah, definitely. In the vein of not overreacting to things, one of the other things that we've been hearing, we've heard a few times recently, and I'm, I'm super curious what folks think about this. So if you have thoughts, let us know. I heard someone say the other day, I don't care about SEO right now. I need timely content. Like there are many people who are actually just abandoning the creation of evergreen content in favor of more timely stuff to just kind of tap into like this ever-changing news cycle. And while I could see situations where that could make sense, it also feels like, well, hold on a minute here. Like this is not going to go on forever. Abandoning your SEO efforts now actually could put you at a disadvantage in six months or a year. I feel like there's a buy low, sell high analogy in here somewhere. Whereas like, great, let people go and create a bunch of kind of like news jacking style content and sit tight, you know, fix up your internal links, refresh old posts, create some new evergreen content. No one might read it right now, but it's there when you will need it, you know, as all this clears up. What are your thoughts on that, Devin? Yeah, Kesh, um, by the way, hi, Kesh. Good to see you. Oh, hey, Kesh. Kesh made uh, a great point, which is it should be a mix of both SEO and news tracking. And I actually agree with that. I think that you run the risk of confusing what you're about if you focus, if you all of a sudden do a complete pivot to a new style of content. Like, I know a lot of people are switching to like remote work. Like, A, that topic was so saturated already. And if it's not immediately relevant to the to your product or to the people who are using your product, what are you going to do with that later, right? Like, well, how useful is that going to be? Whereas if you spend this time kind of investing in content that will, as you said, produce returns long into the future, I think you're setting yourself up for success a little bit better. But I do think that that news, the concept of newsjacking is important. I just think it's really hard for folks to do well. And so you really want to think about, like, are you hopping on a bandwagon or are you truly inserting something new into the conversation? And that's the whole concept. We tweeted about this today from the animals account, which was like, don't speak unless you can improve the silence. Right. If you're going to try to tap into the news cycle, make sure you're saying something unique and different and useful, because there's a lot of like there's a lot of me too content out there right now that I'm like, oh, another work from home guide. Oh, another content marketing guide to whatever. And it's like, okay, how is this different from the 15 other ones that I just saw this week? Totally. Totally. We heard another, another customer we spoke with this week said something along the lines of, I want to create a lot of timely content and I want to use it to help my customers get more from our product right now. And I sort of liked that spin on it. It was like, okay, we're going to jump into action. We're going to create more volume of content than we normally do, but it's all going to be, it's basically product marketing. It's like, how are we going to get our less engaged users getting more out of this product now? One, so to hopefully prevent those customers from churning, but two, I mean, depending on the platform, hopefully helping them use it to make money. Yes. Look, if you're a product that just is going to have to weather the storm, right? Like you know, new signups or new sales or whatever are going to be down for a little while. You just know it based on the type of product you are. What better thing to do to focus on than retention? Yeah. Right. Keep the folks you have, right. Keep that floor from going to the basement. Right. That seems like a great, a great thing to do. I've been thinking about this 
okay, to be honest, I've been thinking about it for a full 24 hours, so it's not that long. But <laughs> that's a long time uh, right now. I know. <laughs> it's like it's like a month. <laughs> I know. Uh 24 hours slash two years. Um I've been thinking about this idea of where people's attention is, right? So right now, for example, the world is stuck at home. And I think I don't have any data on this, but I'm sure a quick Google search would show me like usage of Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, like all these. I mean, gosh, in the past week alone, people have introduced me to two new like apps, one to do like little quick videos, another, it's like another FaceTime basically. So like more people are using specifically social media platforms because they're desperate for knowledge, right? And for connection. And so rethinking how you publish your content right now would probably be a really good idea. For example, if you're writing a thought leadership piece, right? Publish it on LinkedIn or publish part of it on LinkedIn and link back to your post. Make each section a tweet storm, right? And maybe tweet it from like your head of marketing or your head of product or your CEO or whatever, and kind of work on your sort of social media influencer strategy a little bit, because I think it'll be easier to get people to pay attention to you if you focus on native, like native sharing versus trying to get people to go click back to your site and kind of change your success metrics short term. Like, can you capture people's attention on these platforms through the content that you share there versus focusing on getting people to click back to your site? Right. Yeah. I think there's a really big opportunity there for folks who are willing to kind of experiment that wasn't really there before. People were like, two weeks ago, nobody, everybody hated social media because it was like a black hole of good behavior and positive. You're right. You know, it's like it was dead. Now it's like people are back, back at it. Right. Yeah. Totally. Can I touch on one thing that you just mentioned, which was changing yeah. the metrics that you might measure? I feel like yeah. content marketing is challenging to measure, anyways. My, guess is that it's going to be even harder and you may see you may see trends that you don't really like so like for example i'm guessing a lot of companies depends how the company is affected by this but i think many companies will see like increased cost of customer acquisition right because it's going to take more marketing dollars to get one customer across the finish line might mean you see less roi per blog post even if you see greater reach like how do you think people should be thinking about measurement of content right now you know, or is it a time to be like, you know, let's, let's just lean on our, like, our sort of like altruistic intent and let's just try to help people and we'll figure out the numbers later. I don't know. I think it's both, right? Like, I think if you're not paying close attention to the ROI of your efforts, at least trying to quantify it, you miss out on a learning opportunity, which is the case all the time with content marketing, right? Like the whole content marketing is always mirrored sort of this SaaS product development, which is like build, release, learn, whatever, break. I don't know what the order is, but you know, it's like producing stuff fast, putting it out in the world, seeing what happens and then adapting. Right. Right. So I think that that definitely still applies. And I think if you're not reflecting, then you're not staying as adaptable as this time requires. Right. Because things are changing so much already. So yeah, you should I mean, you should always be trying to measure, trying to learn and changing things. Like, you know, if you did one webinar and nobody came, right? Should you toss it out? No, do three and then, you know, 
Yeah. Do something different each time and try to make it better, right? Totally. But yeah, I think that they're also, in addition to that, for sure, right? Like you want, this is a time when being human and being vulnerable and being honest and not knowing and saying you don't know is like totally okay and can perhaps win you some points with folks if you're doing it genuinely. So experimenting with stuff you can't really measure. But that's that's the thing is like, basically the way I see it is like, yes, everybody has to probably change a little bit what they're doing, but the same exact principles apply, right? Do a bunch of stuff, try it, see what happens, learn, adapt, right? That's always been the way to do it. And then the same thing is do stuff that you can't, that doesn't scale, right? That you can't measure, right? So it's like the same principles are that are still there. It's just like, you to try a different set of stuff than before. Right, right. Right now. Um, I apologize for my whining dog in the background. <laughs> I might go let her out in a second. Normally we could just oh cut God. that part out of the podcast, but we can't do it today. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what's great about it being live. And also that's the great thing about working from home is like, you know, and this could be a nod for like, you know, something you could try that's a little more creative, which is like, instead of trying to pretend like we're all in an office when we're working from home, let's embrace that we're working from home and like, bring the dog in the frame, let the dog whine at all of us, right? <laughs> let bring your kid in and like, say hi, right? Have her show you that picture she's been working on. Like that's when we start to not just like accept our fate, but like embrace our circumstance and start to kind of fall in love with it. Mm, right. Yeah. That's a little aside. <laughs> Still so useful though. Right. Like everything is changing, you know, not just marketing. Yeah. And like, if you can think about everything, like throw throw everything out the window, right? Then you're going to stop being like, well, like, you know, if, if you if you can think of this, if you can think outside the mold, right? And say there is no mold anymore. Then you instead of then when someone comes to you and you're like, okay, what are you going to do with your event budget? You're not thinking about what other events you can do. You're going to be like, the world is my oyster, yeah. right? And you're more likely to come up with something new and different that no one's seen before and stands out. Totally. I want to throw a quick question out to people. I'm curious what the vibe is like in different folks marketing teams right now. Yeah. Like, are you feeling a sense of urgency? Like you must act now. Are you feeling like we need to pull back and whether this like super curious, like what people are experiencing, what direction they're getting from their managers. Like if folks have anecdotes, they're able to share. That'd be really, really interesting. And I think really useful for other people too. One thing Devin that people have not been asking us about, but that they should be asking us about <laughs> is community you know, like community is powerful anyways. We've talked about that on the podcast before a little bit. I think facilitating connections among peer groups is just like so needed right now. So like we're seeing and not only increased applications for the content career growth Slack group, but we're also seeing just much more activity there. Like people seem to be getting a lot more value out of it because like everyone's curious, like, what are you doing? How are you reacting? I have this problem. Can anyone advise me on like how I should go about it? Do you have thoughts on how, like, should, is now the time to launch a community? Or if you already have a community, are there things you should be doing? If you don't have a community, should you be, is now really the time or should you focus on something else in the short term? I feel like there's a lot of questions surrounding the community thing that I certainly don't feel like I have answers to. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like a little bit of a broken record here, but like, I think it's kind of the same principles apply now as they've always applied. Like, okay, there's a lot of people creating communities right now. 
I got another invite this morning for one I'm actually going to join. So, you know, you want to do your research. How many communities in the area, in the topic or whatever area you're going to create it in already exist? How active are they? So like my thing would be like, I would join a bunch of communities first, participate in them, understand any opportunities, like what's missing from it, like what's not being addressed or are all the communities in your area, in your space, you want to create it super dead, right? So like find where the opportunities are. But I think before you can find the opportunities, you have to do your research, right? right. Which I think means joining and participating first. You know, I don't, I think now, again, you want to have a mix of stuff. You're just sort of trying and like throwing spaghetti at the wall, but it doesn't mean that you should be, everything can't be spaghetti, right? You want to do a little bit of research first. And I think it doesn't, it wouldn't take a lot of time to kind of do your homework first, but I'm always a fan of participate first, create later, right? Yeah. As you know, it takes a lot to get a group off the ground. You didn't create that Slack group out of nowhere. You had a strong community around you from publishing the newsletter for years, for from all the questions and interactions you had on Twitter over the years. Like you've been in marketing for a long time. You've built a community. Once you created it and you work in an agency that does marketing. So you've yeah. got to, you like, you know, a bunch of marketers already. So like it wasn't, it wasn't random, right? You, you had a community, you just needed a place to put them all together. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great. So point. I would think about that before you get started. Yeah. We're getting some answers to your questions. Should we, should we? Yeah. I love this. Looks like Alicia just launched a community. Send us a link. Oh, nice. We want to check it out. I already have 15 people signing up um, before they relaunch. That's fantastic. We can share it too. Somehow maybe in the show notes we can put yeah. Anyone who's created a community, you know, we can share. Let's, I'll remember to copy this before we leave and we can share anything that people um, put in here. So Alicia says, definitely recommend launching a community if you don't have one. Ours has been great for our customers and non-customers alike to crowdsource ideas and best practices. Yeah, good point. I love that. But it's also been a fantastic resource for our content team so we can create the best content. Right, because you're learning from everybody in the in the community. We've certainly sourced from our community. Definitely. For the newsletter, for podcast topics, for sure. We already had 1,500 people in this group before relaunching with a new name. Still, that's great. And even still, like, honestly, I remember I was part of the support-driven group back when I worked in customer service. And they started off with, like, two people who, like, just wanted a Slack group together. Like, I'm, on a few, mm. I'm in a few other Slack groups. One is started by Mark Johnson, a designer here in New York. It's just like a group of, he calls it the buds thing. And it's like, he invites people he think are his like cool buds or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it, it, it they don't have to have thousands of people to be good. And I think in many cases, it's better if they don't, right? If you have 50 really engaged people, that's way more valuable than 10,000 people who never say anything. Yeah. Or we're just self-promoting. Definitely. Carmen just asked, question for Jimmy, did you have a closed community that you invited before launching your Slack group? No. But like Devin said, I've been sending a newsletter every Friday for five years, very active on Twitter. And it's a lot of those same people that were the initial users of the Slack group. The Slack group has grown now mostly through word of mouth. So like people get in there and then invite other folks from their own marketing teams or their friends who do marketing at other companies. And so it's grown pretty organically, but it was not closed. And at the moment, maybe this is interesting. It is kind of closed ish right now. Like we do ask that people felt like a, just a quick form 
and that's not to prevent anyone from getting in. It's just to like learn a little bit about the people who are in there and try to make sure that everyone is like working in content marketing in some capacity because that's like the main, those are the main topics that end up being discussed there. Yeah. Katharina says, at our team, it's a wait and see approach. We're working on projects that are already scheduled and continuing with day-to-day work. Yeah. I mean, I do think like, you know, that's an important point. Like you don't have to throw your, like not everybody has to throw their existing plan out the window and start fresh. That's a great point. Like, especially for like a more enterprise company who might be working on like very long business cycles. Yeah. You may want to just continue with exactly what you were doing before. Right. Because I got this, I don't know where I saw this, but there was, I was listening to something where the, they were, I think it was the news and they were giving it, there was a guy giving advice on investor investing strategy at this point. Like, what should you do? Should you change, you know, whatever it is you're investing in? And he was like, the question he says, like, are you, has, has your five-year plan changed? Or has your one to five-year plan changed? If the answer is no, then don't change anything you're doing. Oh, that's so interesting. Right? Because it's like, this is a, this is like, if you look, like it's kind of that whole thing where it's like, if you look at the day-to-day traffic view, it goes up, you know, it's like the up and down or whatever. But if you look at the monthly view, it kind of like smooths out and those bumps aren't as high, right? It's the same kind of idea, right? Like this is a bump in the road. So if you're invested, that's the whole point about like, if you're investing in search, keep investing in in search, you know, those returns will come even if they don't come in the time period that you originally anticipated. Totally. And if you have that time, right? Not everybody has that time. And I think that's the point, right? I was asking Jan today, like what he's been seeing. He's like, look, you know, there's the early stage startups who are like, you know, thinking about living off whatever funding they have, right? And like having to make decisions based on how much money they have left, i.e. how much time they have left. Whereas like other bigger companies might be like more taking this time to gather information, taking longer to think through their next steps, kind of like considering more because they have that ability, the ability to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting observing how our customers and all businesses are affected in such different ways. You know, like in some cases, our customers are experiencing a huge surge of new business because their companies just happened accidentally to be perfectly positioned for this kind of thing, like for tools that enable remote work, for example, or like we work with a food delivery startup, like they're so busy right now. And so the challenges that they're going to face are just so different than the companies who are experiencing the opposite end of that, which is that they're getting crushed right now because, you know, for whatever reason, nobody's buying their particular product. So it's like, if you are going to, your marketing can have, and you're, if you were going to do a community, for example, the intent could be so different. Like, if you have a remote work tool that's surging, it's like helping people figure out how they're going to, how do you work from home for the first time? That's like sort of obvious. And then on the other end is like, if your business is getting crushed and your customers are getting crushed, you know, how can you like, what resources can you make available to help those people? How can you connect them so that they can support each other too? It's same idea, but like coming at it from two different ways. Yeah. And like also thinking about what you can offer, but like additional what value, oh, I hate using that word, but like what additional value you can offer? Like, can you create, can you make something free or add a free something to your product to make it a little bit more robust for people? Can you create a free tool? Like, right. If you're, 
engineering team, can you divert some of those resources temporarily to, you know, create something like the revive tool that Andrew created for us, right? It's really useful for folks. It's free. What if you could create something that was really helpful to potential customers right now that won't necessarily give you, get you business right now, but it's kind of, it's a marketing tool, right? And they will remember the kindness, right? The help that you offered them so that when things turn around, they're going to come back and remember you and not for your written content, but a different form of content, right? Which is more product related. That definitely, you know, if you've got nothing but time, that's not a bad way to spend it. Yeah, definitely. I have at least just one other thing, talking point for us, but if folks have questions I want us to answer, drop them in the chat and we'll answer them if we can. Yeah. Do you want to talk just for a minute about how animals is accommodating all the different things that we're seeing, like kind of like how we're working with our customers, how we're working with the folks in our, like the prospects that are currently in our sales pipeline, just to give folks an idea of like, I'm sure there's other agency people here, how we're going about communicating with people. Yeah. You want me to start that, don't you? Um, okay. <laughs> so here's what I would say. I we, we fall into the camp of people who are taking time to gather information before making decisions, right? That's really, I think that's really important. I think you run the risk of wasting some a lot of energy if you try to adapt, if you try to do too much too quickly, right? So for us, it's, you know, number one about finding ways that we can offer more to our existing customers and think more about customizing each customer's experience, right? So, you know, kind of focusing on the white glove treatment for all of our customers, which is weird to say because we were doing that anyway, but we're like, re- we're like doubling down on it, right? It's like, what more? Like, what have we been missing all this time? Like, what more can we add? And we are also in the vein of free products and stuff. We're thinking about other things like that, that we can spin up that would be useful for folks. What else, Jimmy? I can speak to the sales piece of it a little bit. Interestingly, our sales pipeline hasn't really slowed down. Like we weren't really sure what to see there, but we've gotten some really strong inbound leads recently, but the, the, our sales calls have been very different. So like two weeks ago, all the leads we get come to us for more or less the same reasons. It's like, People want to grow organic traffic or they want to do thought leadership content, like kind of same couple of things over and over again. And so we have, you know, kind of a template that we use for our calls. We have questions we try to get answers to. It's basically like it's a loose script that we follow. And that script is like totally out the window right now. (laughs) So like our sales process has turned much more into like consulting, brainstorming. Like we don't have the answers yet for some of the challenges that people are coming to us with. So like where... It used to be that like maybe one or two calls a month were like, oh, I've never seen that before. Now it's like every call <laughs> feels like that. And so one thing we've been doing is like bringing different people from the team onto some of those calls just based on their expertise. So like Devin, for example, has been jumping on some calls just to like, you know, one, it's like meaningful to bring like someone from the leadership team on a call, right? Like it's it re- that really says something to the person we're getting on a call with. But two, it's like you can speak eloquently to content strategy. Right. And so as people are 
asking us questions, like having a few more brains on those calls is really helpful. And the other thing we're doing is not faking it, right? Like when we don't have answers, we're just saying like, you know what, give us a few days, we'll brainstorm and we'll, we'll see what we can come up with. You know, whereas normally like we kind of like, we know what we, yeah. we know our, our stuff like down pat. Yeah, so it's been very interesting, but it's been fun to, uh, fun's not the right word. It has been very interesting to just like be on the phone with people mm-hmm. and just like hear like, what's your story? Yeah, how are you, what are you guys doing? How are you experiencing this? Yeah, and I think it's like sorting out talent, right? It's like who, you know, to your point about it being fun, like I think a content marketer worth their salt like is excited by the challenge of trying to completely rethink their strat, you know, their plans and come up with something that's responsive and timely, you know, like that is, I mean, if, if for people who love this, right, that is exciting for them, even if they're doing it under difficult circumstances that aren't great. Right. Right. Um, and it's certainly, you know, I think the way, the best way to sum up our approach right now is that there isn't a single approach. There's no silver bullet solution. And I think by embracing that, that's where you're going to show that's where you're going to be most successful. So we're getting some good stuff in here. I kind of want to see what folks are saying. Yeah. So Rachel Burns, I can't, it cut off the last part of your name because the window's too small. So sorry about that if I got that wrong, but at active campaign, we released our webinar free, our webinar free resources package sooner than we originally planned. Yeah. As more businesses move events online, we thought it'd be helpful free resource. Cool. That's awesome. We should share that too in the show notes because that's a yeah, great that's one. Awesome. That's, you know, we are just talking about that. There's a product we were going to launch later on this year that we're probably going to be releasing in the next couple of weeks. And it's going to be focused on, it's going to be an audit product. So something that we hope is going to help people respond very quickly to sort of the change and identify quickly things they can do right now while also providing them insights that they can use forever. Right. Yeah. It's very actionable, right? It's like taking kind of a traditional SEO audit and actually making it more something you can execute on very quickly. Right. It's not that like 37 pages of, you know, data. It's like, here's the data. Here's how we like, here's how we see it. Right. And here's what we think you should do about it. So we're definitely responding that way too. I think that's really smart. We got a really interesting question from Katharina who says, I'm wondering how people feel about making a reference to COVID-19 when you sell a SaaS product to a market that is potentially hit quite hard by the crisis. We're serving small businesses in Germany and they're already starting to struggle. Opinions on our team are divided. To me, it seems odd not to talk about it at all. And I would agree with you a hundred percent. I mean, to me, like a tenant of marketing is knowing your customer and know if, if, if you if you know, and it sounds like you, you know that your customer is experiencing probably like some pretty intense pressure because of this, it's not even that talking about it is like, is an opportunity for you. It seems like a necessity to just have like honest, transparent, empathetic conversations via your marketing, whether that's content or email or social or whatever. So I would say, I mean, that's just my two cents as a definitely biased content marketer, but like you know, speak to the problems they are having for sure. Yeah. And it's, again, it's the same tastefulness, right? You know, it's not about trying to insert yourself where you don't belong. It's not about trying to pretend like you relate when you don't. It's just like acknowledging the reality that we're all currently facing right now. Right. You can do that. I think quite easily and, and tastefully. 
And I think it'd be awkward if you were like trying to, like, A, the odds of them not bringing it up too would be, is pretty low. So right, it's sort of like, it'd be harder to avoid it. Yeah. I would say dive in head first. <laughs> yeah. I like we what Patrick it. said. He says, your yeah. approach matters there. If it looks like you're being opportunistic, then it won't land and will hurt. Ex- exactly. That's important. Yeah. Exactly. I think That's that it. I agree with that a hundred percent. And I, but I feel like there's also another side to that, which is that people have to market right now and they have to sell for their own livelihoods and for their own businesses. And so how you go about it matters. It's very important to be careful with your messaging and your tone and all that. But like, I don't know, like I, I feel inclined to give people like a little more leeway than normal because I know a lot of companies are struggling and marketing and sales just got really important. So like, as we see more of that out there, I guess we should still hold everyone to the same, like, like high standard, like being greedy and opportunistic is not good, but I would say expect to see lots of people selling harder than they, they probably normally would. Yeah. Heidi made a great suggestion. She's here. She said, I recommend recording the calls your sales call. So you can transform these questions into other content. I love that. I know I do too. <laughs> I mean, Jimmy, you've done that a lot for the blog, right? It's like, you've a lot of the cons, a lot of the topics that you cover on the blog are inspired by sales conversations. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the way that we go about it on the animals blog is, um, we look for not just frequently asked questions. We try to go like a level deeper than that. Like, so we look for what are the triggers that, catalyze people to reach out to us in the first place. So it's not about I'm redesigning my website. And as part of that, I'm rethinking content. It goes a level deeper. It's like, well, we hired a new CMO and that person is bringing in a new team and they want to do a rebrand. Part of that is a website content gets baked into that. Like we have to like understand the deeper problem. And so that's what a lot of the animals blog is trying to get at. It's like not just for the content marketer, but for the content marketers boss to try to help them Actually, and that reminds me of something else that we've been doing that I think is helping not just on the customer retention side, but also with content, which is proactively reaching out to our customers to ask them, like, what do you worry about? How are things going? Like, what's the temperature in there in your, you know, on your side? Like what, like kind of going to them, assuming that we need to rehash whatever plan we've been executing against, right? And I think that's partially how we know so much about what people are asking about is, you know, we've got the sales calls, we've got the outreach to our customers. Not only is like, you know, is it helping us service our customers and close deals, but it's helping us know what other folks need to know about and gives us more content ideas. So yeah, it's like talk to people, right? Like now I feel like, you know, all of us have called, you know, our friend from high school we've been talked to in 10 years. Like you can do the same thing with your customers too. And the learnings you get from it are going to help you create marketing plans that are tasteful, timely, you know, produce results, whatever those results are. Right. Because I think the connection part is more important now than ever. Definitely. Cool. Let's see. We've covered a lot of stuff. Yeah. If people find this useful, we could definitely do the next couple podcasts in a similar format. Yeah. And I will definitely plug the community. If you work in content marketing and you want to connect with lots of other content marketers, <gasps> you should go do that. You should definitely do that. Animals.co in the footer. Yes. Also, okay. But do you think it would be really cool to like talk to somebody live also? Like if somebody, a marketer, who is like rehashing their 
marketing strategy and wanted to do like a live workshop of some kind. Yeah, it's a great, I love that idea. And then maybe people would give their advice to, so like we could work with them and then folks, okay, yeah. Let's figure out how to ask people if they want to sign up for that because I would love to choose yeah, yeah. a company and like just, you know, we'll get on here, we'll do it live. People get, yeah, okay, let's. I love that. Yeah, who has the messiest marketing right now? That's, yeah. that's the one we want. <laughs> Who's in a lot of trouble? He's a lot of help. Let's do that. The government. <laughs> <Patrick>. <laughs> oh, for the win. Thank you, Patrick. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> cool. Okay. I'm going to um, quickly, before we sign off, copy this entire chat. So we have, I think there's a way to actually download it, but I don't remember how to do it. So, um, so we have this, we can share links that folks shared here in the show notes. Yes, for definitely. Next time. We're going to figure out how to ask you if you want to be a live, be live workshopped on an upcoming podcast. So look for some way that we communicate that to you. I'm not sure how. Actually, have, if, if anyone on this call is wants to do that, just shoot us an email. Yeah. Podcast at animals.co. And we'll, we'll chat ahead of time. That's awesome. And then thank you for joining. If you have more, send us anything at podcastanimals.co. Questions, complaints, things you like. Hate to mail. Hate mail. Or like whatever, <laughs> constructive criticism mail. Can we call it definitely, that? Definitely. I think definitely, that's yeah. better. Yeah. And thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Uh, we can't wait for the next one. So soldier on, everybody. Thanks, Devin. Take care. <laughs>